My guest today is Mark Marinelli, defensive coordinator at Northwest High School in Wichita, Kansas. Welcome to the show, Mark. Excited to be here, man. Honored. Well, the honor and the privilege is all mine. So before we get into the the nitty-gritty of the fall camp checklist, which is what we're going to talk about today, um, give me a little bit of your background and how you ended up at Northwest High School. Sure. You know, um, I started out coaching in 04, right out of college, um, at Andover Central, a 4A school, so a mid-side school here in Kansas, and basically volunteered for two years and then had an opportunity to go to Andale High School, which is a 4A power, um, where I became a coordinator there my second year. Um, we had a run there for four years where we had phenomenal players. We had an amazing coaching staff. We won two state championships, and those four years we won 51 games, and it was just unreal. Um, then after that, I left and became a head coach at a 3A school, uh, Heston High School. They hadn't won a playoff game in a couple of years, and we got things rolling there. Made it to the quarters, uh, quarterfinals twice. Um, then got kind of lured back home to a bigger school, uh, Eisenhower High School, which was just starting out. Um, coached there as the head coach for five years, and then after the last year, we went to the semifinals in year three, quarterfinals in year four. Um, decided I wasn't quite having as much fun as I really should be. I was really starting to, you know, eat on the family and, and, and my personal life and, uh, and my health. And so we decided, um, well, luckily enough, we got an offer to become defense coordinator at Wichita Northwest. And uh, so, so next year will be our first year as D.C. there. Um, and extremely blessed because last year they were in the state championship. I might have one of the best D.C. jobs in the nation when an offense averages 67 a game. You know, it takes a little bit of pressure off what you got to do to produce on defense. <laughs> so uh, yeah. extremely, you know, the, the, I've been blessed and, and just lucky. The, the chips have fallen and known the right people and known the right guys. Put a decent product out there so I could I could – so would become a defensive coordinator and just do what I love, and that's coach defense. So, you know, I just I, I I'm with you, and I've heard other guys that I've got to know over the off season that used to be head coaches that were just like, you know, what I just want to coach ball, I just want to coach defense. You know, especially if you're with a offensively minded head coach that doesn't, especially it's bonus points if they don't care about defense and like really don't want to even think about defense. Um, it makes it even better. Yeah, you know, my my thing was is that I had lost the love, you know, a certain level of love for this game by by dealing with all the stuff. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's great moments to being a head coach, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's not a lot of fun. Um, but you know, I, I just lost that love, and and you know how many hours a week we work to put out a good product and get kids prepared. So when you don't love it, you start to resent it, and, and when that when that happens. I was lucky enough to get a phone call, you know, that that led led to the dominoes falling to become the DC at Wichita Northwest. Our head coach, Coach Martin, Steve Martin, we've known each other for a long time. We played against each other across the ball from each other in high school, and uh, he's you know he's let me run what I want, you know, install this crazy stuff that we do and 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 get after guys. It it has honestly been one of the most enjoyable summers as far as working with kids again that I can remember for a really long time. That's awesome, man. And it's, it's been fun to get to know you over the soft season and to see 
the passion that you have for the game and the passion of working with kids. So it's it's just really amazing that uh, you're really you kind of kind of going back to your roots and and really enjoying that all like it's like learning to coach all over again so to speak like you're you're like falling in love over again rather so awesome absolutely. Man. Well, and also, also kudos to you. You know, some people have to take that step back from being a head coach to a coordinator because they're kind of forced to, whether they're let go or they have to resign or things just aren't working out. But it's it takes a lot to be a head coach, be successful, and say, you know what, I'm not having fun. And so I, I you know, you got to follow your passion and follow your heart. And I'm sure a lot of people along the way were like, you know, what are you doing? You can't do that. You can't. You know, you got to be a head coach. You know, it's hard to get those jobs and whatever, but you got to follow your heart. And if you're not happy, you're not happy. Yeah, the question I get now is, you know, how long am I going to be a coordinator? And I'm like, you know, I don't have any plans to not be a coordinator. I, I'm, 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 I'm loving life right now. I'm going to stick and stick to doing what I love right now for as long as I can possibly do it. You know, I don't have a timeline to go back to being a head ball coach. I just want to coach defense and, and get kids to run to the ball and force plays and make turnovers. That's the spirit. Love it. So let's get into today's topic. Um, we're going to talk about your fall camp checklist for defensive coaches. What do you need to cover? Um, you know, sometimes we get, and I'm the worst at this, but we get so bogged down in the details, we forget the overview. and so. We created a checklist for you, Mark and I together, to kind of go through everything that you need to cover. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. Just make that very clear to you. This is what we've come up with. If and and we'll, what we're going to start doing with the podcast is the release thread, basically saying, "Hey, episode whatever is out." That will be kind of the feedback thread that I follow to answer questions. So go ahead and go in there. If you think of anything else that we didn't include that we should include in this list, please let us know. Start the conversation. Move back and forth. We're going to start. The first topic is we're just going to talk generic defensive skills. What do you need to have as an entire defensive unit? And so the first thing Mark and I came up with was pursuit. Now, Mark loves pursuit drills. For those of you who've talked to me about this topic before, knows that I don't. We have some, but I'm going to let Mark talk about some of his pursuit drills he does. So our number one goal in the off season was was when we were we were turning things over to me at Northwest was we have to get kids to understand that they have to get to the ball. So we have about four or five different pursuit drills that we do. We do at least two a day. Um, our number one, my favorite, is how we start practice, and we got it from. Uh, Kirby at Georgia, and that's his fastball period, where our offense starts out running bubbles and tunnels and, and jailbreak screens on the perimeter. And we're running through different coverages, of course, and different fronts, but we're getting double the workload there. Um, but we're fitting all those screens, and we're playing leverage against all those correctly. And you know, you know, we start the ball in the 20, the 40, the 40, the 20, so we get four extremely fast reps, and I've been able, to, been able to sell it to our head coach who's working the offensive side of the ball most of the time as it's extra reps for you guys too. And it's a competition period too. So we get we get a lot of different looks. And it's not just lining up in a base defensive look or quarters. And, you know, we're going to play too deep. We're going to play man free. So it's a way to review things. It's a way to kick off practice with an extremely fast period. And, and we love that. 
and then you know we we also we also count loafs during practice too you know and that's one thing that our kids have got to learn have learned done a really good job with it this summer is understanding that every person needs to be running to the football you know a couple of days ago we had we, made, we had a mike linebacker that ran down the screen and forced a fumble in a competition period and he only did it because he was trained to run to the football so we are huge at Northwest about pursuit drills. We we see the benefit of them on film. Absolutely, and the the fastball drill is my favorite. And actually, Love it. um, yeah, that's 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 the only real pursuit drill uh, that we run. We still want from Iowa State that we like. Um, where they got to come off the sideline, they got to get the call, they got to get set up in in a front, or maybe even, or sometimes even a pressure and a coverage, and then each guy has an has a cone on the numbers or on the tick, on the ticks, and they've got to get to their cone. As soon as they get to that cone, they plant and they get downhill to the first cone, the corner away from the drill. He runs across the field and over the top of the coach at the twenty, um, and we stole that from Iowa State this summer or this this spring when we visited them and it's been really good for kids to understand to fix uh, you know paths and specific um angles of pursuit and then to understand who's got that side responsibility also who's that 20 we call him a 21 player you know there's 21 guys over there i'm going to be the last one to get there you know in case of reverse or some sort of crazy play so oh. iowa state gave us a great one and then georgia great gave us a great one too yeah, no, that's really good, and, and we won't go through every drills for every category, but I felt like this one was a good one to start with, and and it's, again, this is just to jog your memory on everything. This isn't like, hey guys, we're going to go through every single thing and give you every single drill for every single thing that we do. Just, you know, I, I feel like, you know, most people start their practice with a pursuit drill or some sort of intense kind of moving around, so that's how we're going to start the podcast. We're going to get in, <laughs> we're going to talk about pursuit drills and then kind of move on down. One pursuit drill, so my mentor, Keith Burns, who I worked with at San Jose State and has you know, been like a second dad to me, uh, he had a lot of pursuit drills that weren't really football-specific, but they were fun and the kids liked them. And my favorite one that I need to bring back is you get four guys, on, so you work on the goal line. You have a stand-up, one of those giant pop-up bags on the 5, the 10, and the 15 on both sides. Absolutely. You do the up downs, the seat rolls, whatever. It's four guys, three bags. The loser does five up downs, and then the winner of each pos- uh, position groups goes against each other. And then if you got some athletic coaches, the kids love when you have four of the coaches do it, and they jump over the bags and hooting and hollering. And honestly, with pursuit drills, the fastball is great to get you going. And I know I, I don't like this, but I know a lot of people like it, so I I, I can't um, talk about pursuit without talking about the rabbit drills, but. Um, you know, having the rabbit out there, but I like stuff just to get the blood going, even if it's not football specific. You want to get football specific, but you know, you're going to be doing football for two, two and a half, whatever, however many hours you practice. I don't care if we do cartwheels and backflips, whatever gets them going and pumped up for practice. Sometimes you got to do fun stuff. Absolutely. We do that four on three bag drill, and that's one of the reasons why we do it. You know, I mean, we, we, we want that competition and it, you know, we can add an element of sudden through a tackle and things like that. But, you know, I mean, it, the, 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 the fine line on defense is getting kids to enjoy running to the ball and tackling guys. You know, so sometimes you have to get out of that mode of everything has to be done 
you know, to fit the scheme or something like that. You know, sometimes you just got to get out of your comfort zone and have kids understand that this game is about passion. It's about effort. And those things always lead to those. So if they do, that's a great, great drill. Right. Yeah. If if, if I can get kids, I, I mean, and this is just me talking, uh, just a lowly high school coach from California, but, I don't care. I, I I just said this, but I I genuinely don't care what it is. If I get kids to start practice with their hair on fire, hooting and hollering, jumping around, and you know having fun, and and it's genuine, and it's not like this false enthusiasm, but get them going. I literally don't care what it is. It's a starter for me. Um, Absolutely. So the next one we're gonna get into uh, tackling. Um, there's a million tackling drills out there. We're not gonna get in again have your tackling for me, for my money, break down the type of tackles you see. There's a thousand drills out there. I did the five fight series with USA football. Uh, there's a Seahawk tackling, whatever it is that you're doing, just make sure you have all your situations covered. Uh, I don't know, Mark, if you have anything to really add there. You know, I mean, we, we, we use the tackle wheels a lot. You know, we try to take a lot of the contact out of, you know, when we try to take guys, we don't, we rarely take anybody to the ground in practice, of course. And that's the thing is, I think the number one thing with tackling is just making sure your whole staff is on board with how you're going to teach it. Right. Yeah. And have common phrases. Um, Absolutely. Make, sh- make sure, uh, you know, one thing I picked up from Coach Tomey, rest in peace, Dick Tomey, he was the head coach of San Jose State, is he used to say clubs, not crabs. So have your arms in tight. You're shooting violent uppercuts, shooting clubs, not crabs with your arms out. And so I don't have a lot of edicts in terms of teaching tackling, but that's one thing I always say, clubs, not crabs. Keep your head and eyes up. And and so yeah. you don't have one coach saying keep clubs and crabs and another guy saying, you know, uppercuts and another guy. You're coaching the same thing using different phrases. Use the same phrase. Absolutely. Everybody's got to have the same terminology. We call it We call it reading your palms through the chest, you know. We want to club up through there, and we can read our palms through the, through the guy's chest. We're in a good position. But the number one thing, like you said, is just making sure that everybody's on the same page. Yep. So next one, takeaways. Give me your favorite takeaway drill that you have. Again, same thing as tackling. There's a million takeaway drills. What's your favorite one? Okay, so this is a little bit different, but my favorite takeaway drills are in are, take place during other periods. So let's say it's seven on seven or if you know anytime a ball carrier is there we are going to try and get the ball to the ground through a live situation we've done take takeaway circuits and we've done all those before but to me to practice the takeaway and this is just me and like you said there's a million different ways out there i like to see it done on a live football situation so when it's inside run if we set a guy up and we stop his pursuit we're going to try to get the ball out. You know, if it's, if we're going to try and do it during other periods, because we're not going to do an actual takeaway circuit. And I know a lot of guys believe in it, but that's just not what I do. Gotcha. That's controversial. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm anticipating the tweets. <laughs> oh yeah, as... I know. I know. I know. <laughs> that's why I said it with a little bit of like an asterisk there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, one day I'll learn how to say that word. Ast- I can't say it. Asterisk. I have to like slow it down and over and an asterisk. Um, the next one is, so we, we, we're going down this list, alignment, assignment, drills, 
Uh, again, one of the things I like to do is you turn your back. The defense turns their back to the offense. I line up a formation when I make the call. That means the defense has time to turn their back around. One other drill I really like, we call it blitz versus cans. We did this in Millsaps. So if you can imagine, the offense, let's say there's a scoreboard. So the offense is facing a scoreboard. The defense has their back to the scoreboard. You go three deep or three deep, and then whoever stragglers behind the three, if you have three deep, if you have a smaller squad, obviously convert that to two deep. We have a bigger squad, so we've got three and some. So what we do is we line up a formation and we give a blitz call. And so we'll call, let's say we're on the wristband, we'll say, you know, Clovis one. The kids will line up, make their calls, they'll say down, set hike, and they run. So we've got cans. They run through the cans and then run past me. And then they turn around so they can see the, the second team. Now they're facing the scoreboard. They're behind me facing straight ahead. I give, I say Clovis two to the second group. They run through. They run past me. I mean, maybe we make sure if they mess it up, we start again, or we have them do it again. It's very important that you don't use the same blitz as the first group because it'll just follow behind. Then the third group comes up, and I'll say Clovis three. They'll run through the cans, and they'll go behind me. Then what I do is, least amount of moving parts, myself and the other eligible offensive players, we flip sides real fast. It takes three seconds. Now our back is to the scoreboard, and the defense is facing the scoreboard. And then we'll do the same thing. So then. The first group might get Clovis 2, the second group might get Clovis 3, and the third group might get Clovis 1, or we'll go to other blitzes and then come back to those so they're not so fresh in the brain. But it's it's those moving parts really quickly. You're not giving the same group, because that's a lot of the times if you give the second group the same call as the first group, they're just going to follow them. They're not processing what they're doing. So that's Absolutely. my tip. Uh, Mark, do you have any favorite alignment assignment we, drills? We work... We work a period every day called pressure versus cans, and we do it almost identical to what you do too. Um, but sometimes we'll go two reps real back to back, you know, really fast with that first group, and then the second group will run in there. But I really believe in teaching how if you've got to teach pressure, you have to, you need to do it on cans. It's been the best thing for us when we do it. Yeah, I mean, there's something about blitz and rapid fire. They're running through those cans. They get some going. So one one pro tip for the coaches. One thing we did was we did this in Millsaps. We got five really nice cans uh, when you can get ten really nice cans. And what we do, well, we've we done it in my last school. I f- keep forgetting to do it at my new school. Is we punch a hole in the sides and we take a rope and we tie knots through it and then we string the cans together. And then that way, there's automatic spacing for the splits, and you space it out and measure it out, and people won't mistake the cans for trash cans and take them and throw stuff at them. <laughs> so they're always tied together. Because what happened was, when I was at Sarah, we had a coach who had, uh, I, I, I'm not kidding you when I say he probably bought 80 trash cans, because they had this major, he was selling his house and selling a house, and they had all this yard work, and they had all these trash cans, so he brought 80 of them. And I think by the end of that year or the end of the following year, it was down to nothing because people would just grab a trash can. So paint them, write your school name on it, and then tie them together. Like, you just get a big rope, make a knot so you can get the, the spacing right for, for the splits, and then they can just fold together like an accordion, and you put them out, and they're always together. That's my... You've now... Uh, this is from my other podcast, um, Being Bob Vila with Chris Vassar. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, that's good stuff. We that's a good idea. That's the home and garden section of the podcast. Um, any other drills you like for blitzes or anything like that? Alignments, blitzes, anything just generically speaking or tips? No, our our managers know that right after um, individual periods or you know five minute position tackle, we're going to they have the cans already set up for us. I mean, it's just one of those things. And that's that's another great thing about Northwest is we have unbelievable managers who can follow the practice schedule, and uh, they get drills ready for us right away. So we're pretty lucky on that deal. Yeah, it, it's uh, I I was fortunate enough to visit some colleges, and um, some of the some of them have an army of student managers, and what they do is they print out the scripts, and the, so that they like number they they figure out a way where the managers know. And they all, because they all kind of look the same, they have caps. So receivers are red, backs are blue, tight ends are green, and they wear a cap to let people know, I'm a tight end, I'm a receiver. Because sometimes, you know, if you're playing a team that does a lot of different formations out of one personnel group, it's two by two, but it needs to signify the defense, okay, this guy's a tight end, this guy's a receiver. Uh, if you're using managers, now if you're using players, you can say, okay, we'll actually put a tight end there, we'll put a D end as a sure. tight end and a DB as a corner. but. So that's a really cool idea. If you have some extra cash, get those little colored caps. They look like shower caps, and you can then signify to your players, "Hey, this is what position I'm in." Okay, so again, if you're just joining us, or you skip forward, we're doing a fall camp checklist. I'm with Mark Marinelli from Northwest High School in Wichita. We're going through. We're giving you some ideas. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just some stuff we come up with to get your mind going. The next. Uh, defensive uh, section is defensive skills by position. And again, this is this is very scheme dependent. You're going to do, you know, for example, when we get to DBs, some of you play press, some of you play catch, some of you play off. So, the, and that's very scheme specific. I'm talking about generic, kind of everybody's going to kind of do this stuff no matter what. So the first one we're going to go through is defensive line. Mark, why don't you take this away? Tell me what are some real important skills that you think that guys need to think about or think about drilling? Okay, so I, I believe that the number one skill for our D linemen is they have to be able to expand with the reach block. They have to re- they have to recognize it, and they have to be able to most importantly squeeze and step down or close or close sorry shove and close on a down block. So the number one thing for my guys, and and they do it constantly, is they're they're just attacking and reacting off what that offensive lineman is going to do, whether we're slanting into the gap and we're, we're reading the guard or we're playing outside on a five technique and reading the tackle. Um, it's still the same principle, but if those guys can, and you can always throw in get off drills while you do that, you know, you, there's a lot of things you can do to pair up drills to make it more efficient. Um, but the number one thing for our guys is, is, is squeezing the down block and then expanding with a reach block. Yeah, the more creative you can get. I mean, I think as football coaches, and this is kind of a global point to me, is you, you walk the fine line because you don't want to do a completely different drill every day because you'll spend all your time explaining the new drill every day. Plus, there's only so many ways you can do things. But also, figuring out a way to keep it fresh. I'm old school when scripting defensive line drills. I always do the get-offs, and I think to myself, maybe I should figure out a way, instead of doing three minutes, four minutes of get-offs, to pair that in with a drill and you know that's sort of a thing where 
you know, sometimes you forget about as the season goes. I will say this, a recommendation for me, and probably a lot of people do this, is create a checklist. Tell your position coaches to lay out all their drills. Because at the beginning of the season, in fall, we get, in spring, we get creative with our drills. And then the season starts going, and you're worried about how to stop power or whatever, and you're not thinking about the different drills you need to do. So make a matrix. And one thing we did at Millsaps was our head coach had us list out all our drills by drill type. So footwork, agility, uh, whatever position-specific things you need to do, and then the skill and the drill, and he would have us check off every day what drill we did, and we kept that matrix so we weren't repeating the same drill every day and forgetting to do another drill. So that's also another thing you guys can do. What else, Mark? I mean, we talked about block recognition, um, slants. What else? What else do you think? I mean, a lot of this stuff is generically basic, but absolutely. Obviously, you got to teach them how to strike, you know, and and extend because there's a there's a lot of body principles that go into just striking. You know, I mean, getting your hips involved and rolling them forward. You know, I mean, getting that separation. All of those things are are crucial to to being able to play the, the the position correctly and get off blocks. More importantly. You know, if the kid doesn't know how to get separation off of a strike, then he's just getting blocked slowly. You know, he's he's not making a play or getting off the block. So, right. Well, and 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 pick your favorite drills with some of this stuff. I mean, I have some guys like to 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 just do the whole block at once. Some guys like to just you know start fit up. And there's different ways you can do it. But uh, one thing we talked about before the show was. Uh, one we do is we need to also incorporate, especially on like the down blocks for our defense, when to box and spill. Because we're a spill team. However, for bringing inside pressure or overload on one side, those ends have to be backstops. So when to spill, when to you know when to box, when to spill, and then um, we also do some coverage stuff with our DNs. Uh, also with our D tackles, spying a back, um, DNs dropping, taking backs. On flares, taking backs everywhere. So make sure you're including that, and then pass rush. And, so, and also, I mean, you've got to work the stunt. Also, you can't expect to run a, a one three, you know, a one under three over stunt without practicing it. You know, the kids mm-hmm. have to learn that skill. You know, and our our D line works those same camps a lot of times. You know, or they're working on getting flat through a slant. You know, or they're working on long sticks. Um, but you have to cover those things in individuals time. If you expect to be ran decently during group. Yep. And one thing we forget to do, and this is 100% my fault is we also don't always, you know, practice those slants, practice those stunts, but make sure you practice them on movement too often. I forget to tell our D line coach and to say, Hey, practice those, you know, those tackle stunts like we just, like you just mentioned, but also, Make sure you're working them versus different blocks. You know, if you're running a a, a ton, like a, a three technique first and a no second, you know, you got to work what happens if the guard blocks out on you versus down and some of those things and how you react or else you're Absolutely. just running to spots. And so block on movement. You know, you know we, we just got done with our last camp last week and we run an inside, an inside twist like that. And our three technique did a really good job of just keep bouncing it, you know, a gap was turned out, so he just kept bouncing and bouncing it and then made the play off the edge. And, you know, I mean, it was one of those things that our coaches had worked with him on. You know, it wasn't just something he did naturally. Right. Yeah, I mean, you got to work that stuff. And the other thing is, I would say if you're planning out your drills, 
list stuff that's stim response that you could do on air list things that are something you could do in shorts and then put things that you you know you need pads in like if you're gonna do a middle drill obviously you probably want to be in pads <laughs> but yeah you can do uh like if you're doing some of the 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 hot jimmy pony stuff and t-gog the stuff that everybody's talking about you could be wearing swimming trunks and practice the reads on that you know it's when to practice these things not only with the scheme that you're putting in that day and, and make sure asterisk. See, I got, I said at that time that you're matching up what you're doing. Like we don't work pass rush twists to day three. Um, so we don't work that skill until the third day, you know, make sure it all lines up. And really when you're picking these drills is what am I working on that day? And I know it's, it goes without saying, but, we all forget sometimes. We all think of this drill, this new drill, or we're on Twitter, and we see something, and we're like, damn, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then you think about it, like, wait, we're not working that technique until Friday. So make sure that also all goes together. Anything to add there with D-Line? No, you know, I'm I'm blessed with really good position coaches. So, you know, they, they fill in their own position time, on, you know, on the practice schedule on the Google Doc. But, um yeah, they do a really good job of making sure that everything's matching what we're teaching for the big picture that day. Yeah, it's good assistance, man. They're just they're they're worth their weight in gold, I tell you. Um, yeah, absolutely. You don't know how good you have it until you don't have them. That's that's the best way to point it. It's like the Joni Mitchell song. Um, so <laughs> linebackers. So so. I almost hesitated talking about linebackers and DBs, especially DBs, because it is so dependent on your scheme. So is D-line, but I think D-line is like you're either two-gap or you're one-gap, and then, you know, are you a strike with your hips and hands first, or are you moving your feet? And there's some obvious variations within that, but those are kind of the big families. But there's a lot of different ways to play linebacker. There's a lot of different ways to play DB. So we're just going to talk briefly about some of these things. We're more focused on the bigger picture, or not the bigger picture, but scheme stuff. But we wanted, we figured we couldn't talk about a fall camp checklist without talking about some indo drills. But getting the linebackers, your EDDs, your footwork, your agilities, you know, making sure you're not crossing over, making sure, but making sure you can run through trash, keeping your head and eyes up, stuff like that. And then getting into run fits. Again, that depends. I know a lot of the guys are working stack track fallback now. I'm still a gap guy for the most part, so we work on cans and, and linebackers. I know some of the stack track fallback guys, they're they're just working off of a back and a shoot, things like that. Uh how how do you how do your guys practice run fits with the linebackers? So I'm gonna get excommunicated by all my guys. I used Uh-oh. to be a stack track fallback guy. Uh oh. And uh I know. And now we've gone to fast fit. Um, and and really really getting downhill fast. I know I'm gonna hit. I know I'm gonna hear about that deal. Like my my phone will go off. Cause so and and some of it, it it's just kind of how our staff has done it, and and our kids are very familiar with it. So I took it and I said, this is how we're gonna play as fast as possible. So we work a lot of that one step mirror, you know, where the where the back our key. And we're reacted downhill. And the key might move the other way. We're reacted downhill. So, I, yeah, I, I, I was hoping we were going to avoid this conversation. Oh, no. But we're, we're going to gap up and we're going to fit as fast as possible right now. 
hey man, you know what? There's there's what's this a bunch of ways to skin a cat? Hey, listen. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You know what our linebacker reads are? Pat Fox. If you're if you're a four two team or four one team, you're an even front, and you like you're not happy with your run fits, go find Pat Fox defending the run. Or Pat, it's one of those DVDs. We still use his exact reads to this day. Now, when we do get in the mint, the tight world where it's odd front and you're having to work some and stack on the back and you're doing the nest stuff and some of the stuff that we've talked about in other podcasts, there has a place for that. Now, I will say this. This is just my opinion. I, you know, take it for whatever it's worth. But if you're going to do both, be careful. Last year, when I got to Clovis High School, I didn't feel like the linebackers ran downhill hard enough. Uh, I don't know what the scheme was before that. Some guys don't do that. But we needed to be in our scheme, the scheme that I was bringing in, we needed to do that. So, I did not teach mint, tight, whatever you want to call it, until the bye week because I was afraid if I taught stack track fallback that they wouldn't go downhill when we needed it to. And... You know, our front, we got an open A gap, and we were playing a night team. Like, you you can't hang out and that kind of stuff. And so, we held off. So, if you're going to do that and you're going to mix it, my advice to you, go downhill first. Also. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Um, if we were playing inside zone team every week, and, you know, like, there's a lot of big schools out there that that's the first thing you have to defend is inside mm-hmm. zone and zone read, you know. But we're we're not seeing that every day, you know, every week. So, our my philosophy was aggressive and fast is better for us on this deal. I, I like I said, there's there was years where I we were pure stack track and fall back. You know, we called it rope a dope. You know, we're gonna rope a dope an offensive lineman and come back underneath. Um, and there's a place for it. But right now, you know, in my world. We're gonna we're gonna gap up and we're gonna fit as fast as possible. Right, and and there's a place for that, and there's still you know remember some of these guys, and and believe me, I've adapted to some of the newer stuff, and this is nothing against this is a global statement when I say this. There's still a place for other ways to do things. I get I get like this, where you know what are the things that everybody want to learn this off season, tight front. I, with, with Iowa pressures. State, simulated pressures, you know, there's still a place to play cover zero. Now, again, you got to be careful depending on what you're seeing. But if I'm seeing an I formation team, when I was at Sarah, our number one rival was an I team. I'm not running simulated pressures. It would be the craziest thing for me to do. Um, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's still, and I'm, there's nothing, I'm not, I'm not trying to be counter, like counterculture here. Like I, we run the tight front. We run the mint front. We've experimented with the three high safeties. We've done the creepers. But I think sometimes people forget, like, fire zones are still good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Bringing six is still good. Playing a 4-3 or 4-2 or whatever still has its place. Playing the under still has its place. You know, there's still different ways to do things. And I know we're kind of getting off track here. But that's, or, I mean, I feel like it I needs have, to be said. I know, I know we're going to talk about basic installs later on, but, you know, our, our second, our day two front is, is old school over. Love it. You know, I mean, you know, we, we, our will backer works with our D line on, on days that we're going to work a bunch of over. And I, because I love it. And, and it, it was what I was, you know, I came into coaching with, you know, and I still think there's a huge, huge place for even front. 
even you know, and I love it. And we 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 gap up and we get after it. By the way, I'm gonna cover Even Flow by Pearl Jam, and I'm gonna uh, it's gonna be called Even Front. It's gonna yeah, be the new perfect. hit song, Coach Fast Records. Uh, yeah. Do you hear that? Do you hear that sound, Mark? It's the sound of everyone un- uninstalling the podcast from their phone. Uh, <laughs> it's the vacuum. <laughs> they're the like, vacuum we've created. This new podcast sucks. I want it done. I want it out. Hey, it's okay. Uh, one thing I will say about block destruction. Uh, a a SEC linebacker coach, uh, who I respect, um, was talking to me about playing different ways of getting off blocks, and that's another thing. You know, everybody's got their flavor. It also turn. It's also based on what you do and your scheme. If you're covering the mic up and letting them run over the top, then you rip and run. If you're playing a more odd base structure, you're gonna have to be hat and hands more because you're gonna be taking on guards. But one thing that he taught me that was really good is even. You know, however you want to teach block destruction. But he said, even if you're a rip and run team, they start by teaching hat and hands because it teaches the kids to be physical. Because at some point, you're going to have to be able to take on a guy no matter what. It doesn't matter what defense you're in. Some way, somehow, somebody's going to come at your face. And not like ISO where you might be taking on with a shoulder. But we're going to have to use your hands and shock and shed. And I just love the mentality of, hey, you know what? We're going to teach our kids to rip and run. And the art of not avoiding, but not, you know, not if you can avoid the block without getting pushed out of the way. And there's that fine line of when to avoid and when not to avoid. But even if that, teach them how to go hit somebody. Get your hands inside, shock and shed. Just, it, it, it creates a mentality. So, sometimes, for my, for my money, mentality trumps scheme. Mentality trumps maybe the physical tool that you wanted to give this, the, 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 ch- the kid playing. So I don't know if anybody else agrees with me or believes in that, but that's something that I believe in. Teach them how to strike something. No, absolutely. And because I think that skill is also the one that takes the longest to master. And it's also, like you said, at some point, if you're a front seven player for us, you're going to have to take on a blocker. Right. You know, and we, we can't always press up a corner and keep a safety. For, you know, we can't keep the overhang free by running press coverage all the time you know, and, and making them run them off. You have to play with your hands and your head at some point. So it's a skill that we work on too. Um, now, it, when we get into the real world, it also depends, like you said, on scheme, you know, who's the lever, right. who's the filler, and all those things. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you, you've got to be able to use your hands and strike somebody and and take the, you know, we talk about it all the time, taking the fight to the offensive guy striking first and getting inside lever inside his hands. So yeah, I mean, I completely agree. That mentality has to be coached. Right. Well, and just, you know, coaching in phrases. One thing that I learned from my time at Millsaps is have phrases, coaching phrases, you know, young, a young me would be like, okay, make sure you stay low or get lower. And, and, you know, I was told in some colorful language at Millsaps, like, no, <laughs> that's not good enough. And so, one thing I took from the De La Salle guys out in Northern California was they say eyes below eyes, hands above eyes. So your eyes need to be below his eyes and your hands need to finish above your eyes. And it gives the kids a target. You know, make sure you're coaching in phrases. They're short things. And this is kind of, again, we're sidetracking, but for everything, like one thing, and again, I'm going off track, but DBs, I used to have this really long thing like, okay, guys, Make sure your feet stay in the framework of your body. You can't get overextended. You know, everything that everybody says. 
but the, the Millsaps guys would say, ride the bike. And it was a picture. It painted a picture in their mind. You know what I mean? Everybody's seen Absolutely. somebody ride a bike. And you, you, you can say all of the elongated phrases and, you know, diatribes and fit it all into ride the bike. And so our kids know what that means. So if the kids, if the stride gets overextended, this could be for linebackers too. ride the bike. They know exactly what you're talking about. And you only have to explain well, it, it one it, time. And in, in our world today, where we're trying to, we're, we're trying to reduce the practice time. You know, I mean, I, you know, we're, I, I've always stuck with, you know, I, I don't know where, what some coach probably told me because I was doing it wrong, you know, quick clinic and on the field, you know, it's not a clinic, a position clinic, you know, you, you got to get this stuff taught fast. So as few as words as possible. And then, and if you can repeat that phrase, like you're talking about, then everybody understands, it. you know, and that, that's the thing is, is what makes it easier to teach, what makes it efficient to teach. And that's the best way. Yeah, I mean, just exactly, and and the, I don't know if that's like a word to impact ratio, but try to get uh, try to get the most bang for your buck, so to speak. So, um, I'm gonna kind of lump in DBs and backers here together, but pass rush, uh, for from a general perspective, teach a move and teach a counter move. I mean, the the farther you're away for the ball, the more I try to teach to run around stuff and use your speed. If you're a 160-pound corner, please don't try to run down guys. And one of the things Mark and I were talking uh, pre-pod was uh, the the room at Millsaps. There was two things written on the board in the safeties room, which was don't go till you know, G-G-T-Y-K, and don't run down the middle of fat guys. You know, <laughs> use your speed. Have a move in case. Like we teach, I know a lot of people are going to gasp when they hear this. We spin back if we're at DB, if we're past the level of the quarterback, we're spinning back. But these guys don't do this a lot. We, I mean, we blitz safeties more than anybody I've ever seen, and it's still not a ton. I mean, it's not like at the end pass rushing. So that's like the fifth thing that they have to do. You know, they have to learn how to ball skills and all these other things. Make it simple. Make it easy. One move, counter move. And then if you got a guy who's really intelligent football player, you can maybe give him a third move. Do that. But just get them going fast. I don't know how you teach your guys, Mark, or what you feel about that. Yeah, you know, we just tell our guys that they need to have a plan based off what we're doing before the ball. You know, because I don't want to – the thing I can't have is them hesitate. You know, I think that's the death of all pass rush other than the bull rush, which is just getting blocked slowly backwards. You know, they got to come – they have to know off the pressure. They have to have a plan in their mind of how they're going to come off of it. And I think, well, I think once you start to talk to kids about that and getting, you know, then, then they're able to play a little bit faster. And that's always what we're, over, we're trying to get to on defense, to get our kids to play as fast as possible. Right. Yeah, I mean, get them going. Get them going. Um, so pass drops, I'm not going to get into that. Everybody does it differently. Just make sure you have, make sure your stuff is defined. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but we're making a checklist, and I don't want to talk about linebacker play without talking about pass drops. So moving to uh, DBs, EDDs, footwork, change of directions, all the different angles. You know, figuring out a way to play the ball if you're a zone team. So you're driving forward. You're doing a lot of uh, ball drills when you, you know you're planning and you're driving back towards the ball because you're looking at the ball. If you're a press team, Work on ball drills where you're running. If you choose to let your guys look back for the ball, if you're in phase, that sort of thing. But 
you know, I see some guys that play press man all the time and their corners are then doing ball drills where they're driving back to the football from a square square position. And I'm going, you guys are never in that position. What are you doing? You know, so we play, we play, we play man free. We play zero blitz. Um, The thing that we try to do when we work press technique is we always, or anytime we're playing some sort of man scheme or playing the ball, we want to do it with a receiver. You know, we're, we want to make it as realistic as possible as when that receiver is given his hands up and how we're going to rake up and through. Um, when, again, I, I think that's when you're playing the ball, it's one of those things that you need to work in a pair, you know, a, with a receiver, even if it's a DB, obviously, because you're grouped up. Um, it needs to be done with another player. You know, it's, it's, it's really easy to teach a kid how to high point a ball when he's just going up for it. But it's another thing to play a fade when the other guy's trying to make the play too. Right. Absolutely. And so from there, I mean, we talked about block destruction, pass rush, you know, and then all of your coverage stuff is really scheme dependent. I mean, you know, even quarters, are you press quarters? Are you off quarters? Do you play some catch? You know, and that could be, maybe I'll have, I'll do a DB podcast where we have, I'd love to do like a panel one day where we have a guy that plays off, a guy that plays half turn and talk about how they train guys, but we'd be here all night. So just make sure. You have your transitions, you know how to play the ball, you have a new technique-specific stuff, and have drills to drill each thing. Um, so take it from there. So the yeah, third the, part, the only go thing, ahead. The only thing that we do that, that might be a little bit different is we get a, we, our safeties during pre-practice almost every every day, um, depending on what coverage we are we're in, but if we're in quarters, we're key in offensive linemen. So we're always working tackle reads, you know, and, and coming downhill and when to snap our head to two and when to slow pedal out. And, you know, I mean, that, that goes without being said, as you know, we've already said it, you know, your drills need to match what you're doing on the field. You know, they need to, they need to be part of the whole picture. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that about quarters because I'll be honest with you, my mentors, and I pretty much did whatever my mentors told me to do, at the beginning, because I, I didn't know any better. And then as time goes on, you realize, hey, I like this or I like that better. But one thing that I did off the bat from day one that I've never done is, you know, the guys that taught me quarters said you need to key uncovered lineman or key the end man. I've never done it. I've never trusted it. And so maybe it's a little too close to the season to change now, but maybe this uh, next off season you can sell me on that because I think there's some merit to it. But I'm just, I can never get a good look in scouts. That now I was gonna say that is the number one problem though, and that's why when we go to service, our ones are servicing our ones because we can get, you know, we teach four things: reach block, down block, base block, pass or hi hat pass. So if it's if it's Johnny Slapdick and he's not very good, and all of his base blocks look like pass rush or or hi hat pass sets, it's not very good. So that's why when I teach tackle reads. My my big butt is actually the tackle. I'm going to give yeah. them the, the look what they want, you know, so we yeah. can practice like that. But absolutely, you're right. It is so dependent on the talent or scout of how your scout team is presenting it. Right. My uh, Johnny Slapdick, my I, coach I worked with who will remain nameless, used to call those guys SBHs. Do you know what an SBH is? 
<laughs> I think so. A speed bag with a heartbeat. Yeah. That's my favorite. That yeah. might be a universal term. I never heard it before. Sorry, yeah. that's that's awful. Awfully funny. Uh so and one thing, so going to your point, one thing that everybody and their brother struggles with, if you're keying balls, playing zone, if you are not playing straight zone or not playing straight man, where you're doing something where you're looking at the ball key and then transferring your eyes to different receivers, one trick that I've done, because you tell kids ball key, I mean, you hear me say it a hundred times in seven on sevens, especially when, you know, the competition gets hot and they want to cheat. As you'll hear me say, ball key, ball key, make sure you're keying the ball. And when I mean ball key, I mean read through the end man to the ball and whatever. Sure. Is I'm the tackle, or if I'm not, my back's best up, so I'm usually not the tackle anymore, but we put a tackle in there, and I stand in his, his line of sight, and I hold up fingers. And so I'll hold up three, and they have to say three, three, three as they're, before they drop. So I know that they got, they looked. So that's Absolutely. just a little nugget for you guys. I don't know if anybody else does that. I mean, for all I know, everybody does that. I just came up with it one day and thought I came up no, with it. No, that's good stuff. That's good stuff, Coach. Okay, so next section, generic defensive periods. This is going to be fast. So you have your EDDs. You have your group stuff. So if you're working, you know, um, you know, uh, pass coverage review, you have your back seven or back eight if you're a, a three-down team. Uh, so some drills that I think are important, and these just going to go through these real quick. Uh, obviously, group drills, so seven-on-seven, nine-on-seven team. Those are classics. Everybody does those. Um, uh, some people do middle drill. I know that somebody said that um, they were the NFL's outlining half-line run or something I like that. I did not know that. That's insane. Like I don't understand how that's dangerous. That's actually controlled. Everybody's in like a small little circle. You're not having these full speed collisions, but whatever. So, um, and this is a Gary Patterson thing, but one drill that I absolutely love. And if it's, I have two of my favorite drills are half line option and half line option is not, you can do your eye formation split back veer reads, but it's more of like, so it's, you have a half line, but it's perimeter. So you're working perimeter drills, passes, and uh, runs where the outside guys have to fit inside, coming outside in. But half, sure. line, half line run. And if I had one drill that I could work, if you told me I only got one drill a day for individual, half line pass is underrated. And defensive guys, I, I'm going to take a stand here. If you work with an offensive head coach or you work with an offensive coordinator who has a lot of juice, and he tells you, oh, we're not going to do half-line because we're not a half-line throwing team, and we read the full field and blah, blah, blah. Tell him, I don't care, okay? Half-line pass, you know, I need to watch one half of the field sometimes, and I know I can switch, but there's merit to having half-line. If, if you have to make the offense scout for you, like our offense, my head coach is wonderful, but... You know, I said to him, I was like, this fall, I need half-line pass. Even if it's, I have to eat 10 minutes of scout periods, I need it. Have so, drills, get with your OC, have a drill. So what we're going to do this this season is we're going to do the classics, the seven-ons, the nine-ons, the teams. And then we're going to do 20 minutes of choice periods until we get in the, you know, true scout periods, like third week or whatever. I get 10 minutes, he gets 10 minutes, and I get to pick whatever we want. So maybe... We're not a spot dropping three team, but we see some of it. So, okay, this 10 minutes, you're going to run 50 cover three. And then my 10 minutes is half line pass. Still good versus good. I can't, especially if you're a split safety team, I cannot stress half line pass and the value of that enough. Coach, what you had something to add there. 
all all of our seven on seven periods are half line. We never go full field seven on seven. We work half line reads. We work it with the corner, the overhang, the backer, the safety, the third safety. If we're playing what we call cyclone or so three safety front, you know, I mean, we we don't do any full re full field seven on seven. Now it's fast. It's rapid fire, which allows me to to, to switch because I'm right there in the middle, and I can. But I can't see the whole thing, and I want to. So I love it. I mean, like it it is it's revolutionized our whole deal. So when we go to pattern match period, we do the same thing. We do a half line on during that during that defensive time. Well, we're working against ourselves. Mm-hmm. We do it. We we don't do any full field pass or pass route or pass. pass how, how, so you don't do any. Even your offense doesn't do any. Or you don't. They don't do any full no. field seven on seven. Nope. They they wow. work all like they're working trip side. They're working single receiver side. They're working reads to take them where they want to go. And it and it, it is it's phenomenal. I love it. Wow. As a That's defensive in- coach. That's incredible. I I never heard of any. I never heard of an offensive coach that would would allow that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So some... it's, it's I I love it. Like seriously, as a defensive coach, and and obviously my another my other number one you know caveat on seven on seven is don't play cover twelve, which means you've got five defensive coaches in the middle of the damn field mm-hmm. watching the offense. Get behind so you can see their eyes. You know, you yes. talked about putting up numbers. You know, that's, that, that, you know, that drives me crazy. We go to a team camp and we're working against somebody and, and yeah, they got the post covered because they got 12 coaches sitting in the middle of the field. But, uh, you know, I, I love half line. You and, got and, coach Wingding robbing the curl. Yeah. Yeah. With his backwards, with his, with a bandana, backwards visor bandana guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but it's 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 sped us up so much, and it's and it's allowed us to coach it fast too, because we'll split. We used to split our staff, you know, and, yeah. and these guys would as soon as the rep was over, they were working on what was happening as the other side of the field is getting their rep. Right. So it's 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 just another way to be more efficient. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the other drills that we talked about. Uh, pre-pod was pup pass under pressure uh and don't be afraid i mean i i I tell this story all the time people think i'm insane we were at uh when i was at sarah our first practice and i know we're talking about fall camp install but our first spring practice we're in full shorts as like as i like to say and we ran seven on obviously it's control but we ran seven on nine on team and we ran pup the first day we were ever at sarah they were flex bone double wing team going into converting into a spread offense. First practice ROC was like bringing on. And it also helps I me. Mean, Steven Lowe is the OC at Bosco. He, he doesn't cry about anything. He's like, I don't care. Come get after us. And I'm like, come get after us. So we're bringing these crazy zero blitzes. These offensive linemen barely passed block before. And we didn't care. It was like, let's go, let's get the bullets flying. Like, I'm not saying that that's the best model, but I mean, we had some success and the kids were mature enough to not, and they really cared about each other. So they weren't trying to like kill each other and they yeah, understood we're yeah. in shorts. You got to be careful and you got to coach that up. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I want to get after it, compete, figure out a way to get competition in all of these drills. 
Yeah, I don't. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. But any way you can you can you can create competition between your offense and your defense, but at the same time realize that at the end of the day they're playing they're going to be playing for each other. That's the best way to do it. And I, I like I said, or like you said, I like to do it right away. Find a way to do it on day one. Not just get your base stuff installed and then play them well on day two. Find a way to get after them and put a, put a bunch on their plate on day one so you can go play. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, which actually is a great segue. You should be a podcast host, Mark. We're actually going to get into installs oh. and talk about our philosophy. Uh, we're not going to get into the exact specifics of everything. Again, this is the purpose of this is to talk and to jog your memory to help think about what you need to do. This isn't like, here, this is Vass and Mark's install, and you should do this. We're just kind of going through our philosophy. So, Mark, uh, give us your kind of overall philosophy. If you want to go day by day, just giving us basic schemes of what you do and how it all fits together. But kind of talk talk to us about your install philosophy. So, for us at, all, at, at Northwest, it all begins in the back. You know, I mean, the coverage dictates you know, like our friend Brophy used to say, the coverage dictates the front, you know. So we start, and we have three basic families of coverage. Mm-hmm. We have quarters, we have man-free, and we have Tampa. So on day one, we teach quarters and quarters trips checks, and then we have a couple of zone pressures we teach, you know, um, at the back, away from the back, and then an A-gap pressure. Um Every day, though, we try to answer a problem also. So in day one, our answer, and some of this is based off of, off opponents, and, you know, our day one question is how do we defend the off, the flex bone option? Because we, we see a really good flex bone team in our league. So day one, we teach the answer to that, you know. So day one, we handle all quarters. Day two, we move the man free and over front, you know, we're, we're, we're traditional over, but we play it with our will backer as, as the weak side five. Um, we're able to combine then because we don't have a true trips checks for man free because you just balance up and play. We're able to combine quarters and man free to get a quick RPO defense, you know, mm-hmm. or we're playing quarters, but we're going to man one and two on the quarterback's read side for the RPO. Um, then we're going to work all of our overpressure or, or a couple of overpressures. We usually try to put in about three pressures a day. Um, and for over, one of them is our, is, is old school green dog, you know, whichever way the back swings, the other backs or the other linebacker is going to add in. Um, and then our answer for day two is how do we defend empty? You know, and for us, our first empty check is cover zero and we're going to bring six or we're going to play zero peel and we're going to bring even more. Um, and then our other, the other reason why we cover empty or man free on day two is because that gives us a coverage that we can, we can, we can cover or play against quote unquote garbage situations where it might be, you know, quad four by one, four by one unbalanced with one being a jet sweep guy. You know, how can we handle all those situations? right away and still be balanced up with numbers. And that's how we, why we play man free um, day three. Then we teach Tampa and then we start to put in our three um, safety set. And when we don't sub that package out, just like our will is our weak side five and over 
Our joker linebacker is our third safety. He's basically our nickel, and he plays the middle of the field in Tampa. And we teach a trips check out of that too, um, a couple of different ones. And then we have a couple of pressures we teach out of that three safety look. Um, and then our answer for that day is how do we deal with unbalanced? And what we do is we just call it knock, and that's new offensive center. Because traditional, traditionally we're a three-down front team, so it's extremely easy to balance that up. We just declare the new knock and we play it. Um, and, then, and then we also answer on day three, what are we going to do in goal line? Our first goal line install is we're going we're gonna to make something happen. We're going to play zero blitz. Um, and we're going to play peel, you know, and we're going to, we're going to come after you and either you're going to score really quick or we're going to get TFL or make something happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're going to, we're going to force it. And then in day four, we put in some rotational coverage, you know, where we're playing cloud three, but on the backside, we're playing quarters. So with those three families quarters, and I've talked about it before quarters, man free in Tampa, we then take pick and choose all of those from those techniques. And we start to create other coverages, you know. So like rain is cloud three with a, with backside quarters. So we've already taught most of those techniques already. So we're able to create game plan coverages, unique coverages with without having to teach new techniques to the kids. Like our, our Tampa our Tampa call is blue. So when our corner says, "Hey, we're going to play rain," I say, "Hey, it's a blue. It's blue for you. You're cloud mm -hmm. up." You're reading, you're taking your paint plan all at once, unless two or three takes you to the flat, you know, unless we're manned up on three. So, and then we put in, you know, day four, we, we run a lot of man pressures. And, um, our kids, you know, they're, they're typical, uh, hip hop kids. So all of our man pressures are rappers, you know, so we put in Wu-Tang, Rick Ross, Kodak, and our kids pick that stuff up really fast, you know. And I love, you know, and that's one thing that we try to do is we try to relate as much information to the kids as possible in ways that they understand it. So after that day three, that's when we can really start to game plan and we can start to play with different structures and coverages because for us, everything kind of fits in one of those families, you know, right. and all the pressures fit off those families too. Uh, and that, that's, I think that's made us a little bit more creative it's also made our kids a little bit more aware and able to play different different coverages, but still keeping the same idea of the technique, and that's probably the most important part. Absolutely, that's we do a lot of that stuff too. The knock thing I really loved, um, and we tag it, and so we'll call like you know Tai Chi knock, and the kids need to know, okay, if it's not unbalanced, you stay, and if it is, when to slide, and all that stuff. And you said a lot of really good stuff in there, and I. I'm, I was laughing to myself because my buddy, uh, Brian Vaughn, everybody knows him as Blitzology. I actually sometimes call him that. Uh, yeah, he the has legend. a mute, he, the legend, um, my personal sensei, but he has a musician package and some of it is like Biggie Tupac, but then he's got some stuff like Elvis and, you know, kids know who Elvis is, but he's got some other musicians and the kids are like, what? And so he creates PowerPoints. And so he enjoys that musical education side of it. Yeah, it's pretty and, funny. And we try to pair it off, you know, like Rick Ross is a big guy. He's thick in the middle. So that's a double A gap pressure for us. You know, we try to pair it up, you know, uh, with, with as much, you know, and, and how we signal things in has made it a lot easier too with those things too. And our kids, our kids just pick it up, 
I mean, it's related to what they know, and, and they, they're, you know, you know, it's just a lot easier. Yeah. So I'll go through my install real quick. Uh, so everything starts with us on the back end as well. We've kind of changed some things over the years. For a while, day one was uh, robber, day two was quarters, day three was squats and halves. Um, we've kind of changed some of that stuff, obviously, with the game. But so each day we have a, a zone coverage, a trips check, um, a blitz family and some other sort of thing. So day one is the heaviest install day. We do all of our one-man slants, two-man slants, uh, you know, slant the line. Each guy learns their one-word slant. Our blitz package is uh, bullets, which has backers. It could be both or one. Our zone coverage is palms, two read, whatever you want to call it. We call it cover four. Our trips check is special. Some people know it as stubby or lock in the Venables family. Sure. And then we teach man, we, we teach, a, actually, we teach a zero coverage with a count system that we don't actually run, but it's the foundation for all of our counting. And so then we can play zero coverage with our blitz package or man free with one of our backer plugs. Day two for us is, and we'll do fronts too. So it used to be day one was we set the front to the tight end, the split end. Day two was field and boundary. Day three was based off the back. But what I found is because only one guy needs to know that stuff. We did all of it on the day one because only one guy, like our, our tackle doesn't care. He just knows left or right. I go, I'm going to go to be the three technique. So we kind of started combining those. So for us, our blitz package day two is what people, uh, TCU call smokes. So our safeties, either one, uh, or both. And we'll do it based on tight end, split end, wide side, short side, or back or away from the back. And then our zone coverage is quarters and robber together. We teach them together. So robber to a pro side quarters to two or more our trips check is what solo or poach um and then day three is all of our our games because we usually do all of our pass rush twists and games with two deep zone which we call cover five and we have some different variations of it tampa regular zone five and man match five and then we kind of depending on how well the kids are picking the stuff in we'll play like two man we call it five man and so because in those coverages, we usually most use most of our games, the TE stunts, the ETs, the twist game, three and four mans, that's when we'll put those in. And our blitz package for the day is our dog package, which is a backer and a safety off the same side. And then uh, day four used to be our bear day. Um, we don't run the bear anymore. And so then we'll, or we'll do it sparingly. And then it was a review day. And then with the mint tight stuff, we started making that day four. All of the coverages are based on coverages that are put in the first three days. We'll kind of teach like a bastardized rotational three. That's kind of like a rip Liz, but more of like a man concept sure. than even rip Liz. And so we're able to do that. Like you said, you combine everything. And then our blitz package for that day is just our plugs out of our tight front. And then day five is our zone blitz day. Our four under two deep zone pressures are three under three deep and four under three deep. and then we have some fronts where we line up based off the tight end or the back, but we always slant to the boundary. And so that's basically it. Then, then we go back and we, we put it all in again. So we go day by day, but usually what happens is day six is big stuff. So our 21 personnel defense. And it's funny because when I was at Sarah, when we were playing double wings and wing tees as our foundation, that was day one. And now it's like day six and then day seven or eight. We start getting into um, 
more of our dime three down dime package, which is all based is all based off of our four man stuff. It just changes for a couple people, so it's actually a pretty easy switch. So, you know, talking about install, some things how to split it up. Now we're gonna kind of go into things to think about, and this is kind of rapid fire. This is just kind of a list of things uh, to think about, have plans for. So. Um, we're going to talk about offenses, formations, motions, and shifts, what plays, situations to think about, whether that's down and distance considerations, field positions, time constraints. And again, I know I've said this before, this is not an exhaustive list. Please join in on the conversation on Twitter, on the official thread for this podcast. Throw your stuff out there. What did we forget? You know, what did we need to include or what did we just kind of skip over that you're like, hey guys, I think you need to emphasize that more. So as we go through our list, the number one thing for offenses, and I'm talking about schematics, the number one thing we try to do, and this is more in the spring and the summer, and then we quickly get off of it in the fall, but the number one thing we're going to do is we're going to defend our offense. We already have to play our offense anyway. When we go team, we're not doing scout cards in the spring. I know this is a fall install pod, but the same thing happens, and it goes for the same thing in the fall. So there's no point in teaching what we do. We have to see and what somebody else does. When I was at Sarah, we were a spread offense. Our offense was very unique to the league. Now in the league I'm in, it's a lot more similar, so I feel more comfortable spending time on defending our offense. But, you know, learn how to defend your formations and your things first. So we're an 11-10 team with some 12 and some a little bit of funk, as I call it, with some tight end wing stuff and other stuff. Mark, what do you see? What does your offense do? The first thing our offense does is they go really freaking fast, which makes us, which we love as defensive coaches because we've got to get, we've got to be dialed in to get the calls in fast. Cause our offense is not going to slow down. If we're moving from three, uh, an, an odd front to over, you know, we got to get the call in and go fast too. Um, we play with the tight end. Uh, we, we do 11 personnel, 10 personnel. We'll do 20. We'll do, you know, 11 off with, with motion. We'll get into some heavy stuff or it's three backs you know, line, a sniffer, um, a fullback, and then a, a, an offset tailback where we've got to defend that too. Um, but we, so our offense presents a lot of problems that we got to, we have to get ready for, which is great because once we get into the season, we see other than flex mode and, and occasionally some 21 personnel stuff, we really see mirror images of what we can, we see because our guys will run gas and they'll, They'll run inside zone, outside zone. Um, so we feel like if we can compete and we can fit our offense, then we're going to be okay um, and be able to fit against the main things that we're going to see from our opponents. But then again, also, we've got to be ready for flex. We've got to be ready for two for 21 and you know weak side ISO and all those great things that come at us from those things too. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, we – we look at some of the things that we have to do and some of the special stuff on the schedule. You know, one thing that we've done in the past and I'm admittedly newer at this school. So, and we saw, we see a lot of turnover. I think we're going to see five new offensive coordinators. So it's hard, but for the same teams that we are going to play that do have the same offensive coaches, you know, unless the team, and and this is one thing I used to spend more time on. And over time I've kind of, slow down with it because you don't want to put all your eggs in the basket and waste a bunch of time practicing against stuff that you're not going to see. But 
We used to play a team, St. Francis, which is a school I used to coach at. Coach Calcagno does an amazing job. They, they're a two-back power team, and he has wrinkles every year to keep you off balance, and he has some really good um, secondary packages. But at the end of the day, he is an I-formation, one tight end or two tight end, ISO power team. And as far as I know, that's not going to change. And so we carry over our top calls. Our you know We work on our top couple pressures, our base stuff, that we think that will not change drastically. So we'll kind of have, we did theme days. So um, we'll have like, okay, guys, this this was you know, St. Francis Day. We used to play a double wing team. Well, our offense ran the double wing, so it wasn't like I was introducing something completely new. I said, all right, guys, this is Bellarmine Day. Um, and I know I'm throwing out schools. You guys don't know who it is, but you guys get the picture of what we're trying to do. We saw two teams that ran wing T. One featured more option than the other. So we kind of lumped them together. So we had like theme days. And I know Alabama does a lot of this stuff. They kind of group offense together. And again, it's the basics. It's the top three plays. You know, they used to lump LSU and Arkansas together when Petrino and Les Miles were there. Because it's I formation. Or not. um, Yeah, those were the coaches. You know, 10 personnel. Stuff that's out of the norm. Like true 10 personnel. They would lump Ole Miss and TAMU together. Texas A&M. And so kind of just, again, power read you know, post-wheel, stuff like that that's generic. Have that in. And then any kind of special stuff, we play a single-wing team. You can't just go out the first... If you don't practice at least one day during fall camp, at least a period, which you need more, and you think you're going to come out in the middle of the season when you've been seeing 10, 11, 12 personnel the whole season, you're just going to play the single-wing and be fine? You're out of your mind. No offense, but... I, I You have yeah, to no, practice we, wings and things. We do... We do a period every, or we do two periods every day of, we see, we call it Falcon period because Pipes Falcons is a flex zone team. And we, we practice it every day. There's two periods where our number one offense runs through inside veer, midline triple, ISO belly, rocket toss, play action, you know, six or seven, you know, and it's, it's, it's six, seven cards, you know, but we're going to see it every day because it's just like anything else. If it's different, you better find time to work on it. Because right. if it, you know, if it's inside zone every day, then you better find different ways to fit inside zone. But if if you've got somebody on the schedule who's completely different, and you're expecting the, your offense to service you, or, the, or you know, I'm lucky because our one service our one. But if it's something different than that, then you know, I mean, we did it way back when we were playing at, at Andale a week ahead of time, and yeah, this is a little cocky, we would know in the semifinals we were going to play a really good wing TT. Well, in the quarterfinals, we knew we would take care of the team. Our JV was running the wing, wing team a week before, you know, so they could run it Smart. at a level that we could get it. Well, and, you know, some people might be listening and gasping and clutching their pearls, their collective pearls, hearing this, but you know what? If you read about Clemson this past year when they won the national championship, they did the same thing in the college football playoff. They said, you know what? We feel that we can handle Notre Dame playing our base stuff. Obviously, we're going to work on them, but we're going to start working on Alabama. I'll tell you this. If I coached in college where you didn't have like a dead Sunday where you have to, you, you can't work, if we played on Saturdays and could practice on Sundays, Sundays, and I might actually start doing this at the, the high school I'm at, I would spend, if I'm playing a triple team or a flex bone team, or I guess it's the same thing, sorry, wing T, 
if I had a team on my schedule, we have a single wing team that's a rival of ours. I might run it, you know, this Saturday. I might, we might go to film and, and on Saturdays, we might go out in the field for 10 minutes or go in the gym for 10 minutes and just walk through and just little by little. Hey guys, here's the base formation and base plan. Then the next week, here's the base plan reviewed and a, a, a curveball and walk and talk through that. Obviously, we're not going to hit anybody, but in most colleges, you know, those guys are in shirt and shorts. And, you know, when I was at uh, Millsaps, we would practice, we played a triple team. We did that a couple times where we, lined up against the flex bone and because like I said if you think you're going to play an offense like that we have a team in our area now our offense or our playoffs are a lot more expanded we have a team in our area Sanger High School they're not in our league but there's a you know if we make the playoffs and they make the playoffs there's a very good chance that we could play each other they have a phenomenal offense it's very multiple they have a ton of formations. I played them a couple of years ago when we were at Sarah in a regional final to go to a state championship game. They had me I, I scrambling all week. And so I don't want to go through that again. And obviously we had no idea we were going to play them in a regional game. But if they're, you know, teams like that where it's exotics, have a plan, be ready. And if you have to practice it, and it's not like you're taking away time from an opponent or disrespecting an opponent, you just got to say, hey guys, this is harder stuff. It's not what we see. We got to work on it. Well, I think also when you give your kids, when you tell your kids this is for this team, this is why this is so important, I think it gives them more power to, to, to really zone in on that period. Does that make sense? I mean, if you say, it's, it, hey, it, it's LSU and you're playing at Alabama, that's important. And when you're at Northwest High School and it's, it's Falcons period, it's Wichita Heights, that's important. It's not, you know, it's it's yeah, we're not going to see it this week, but it's important down the road. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll wake them up. You're you're right on that. That's a good thought. I never thought of that. Like, you know, hey, here's XYZ team. Be ready. So, yep, absolutely. Want, wanting to talk about, we're just going to go through this kind of fast. Just, I'm going to read off this checklist. Uh, this is something that Coach and I came up with. This is a different format than I'm used to. Used to or usually I talk to coaches, we kind of go over what we're going to do, a little peek behind the scenes, kind of do like a loose outline, and then just kind of riff. But this was, I feel like, something that we really needed to nail down before we got on here and started talking, because we didn't want to miss anything. But um, So we'll kind of go, we'll kind of sw- uh, swap uh, line by line, uh, Mark, here. A uh, little like peek behind the scene. What are they, peek behind the curtain? Yes, you call it. So the first thing we had talked about was three backs. Um, three backs being with uh, no tight ends, two receivers. Three backs with one tight end and one receiver. And three backs with two tight ends and no receivers. Having a plan, having a check, whatever your three back defense is, because it is unique. Having that formation adjustment in, in case you see a team that just jumps into that stuff. Also 23 personnel. Two backs, three tight ends. One of those tight ends could be a wing, or some people could run it at a thirty-two, where that wing is a fullback. So, uh, Mark, what, what's uh, what's the next one for you that you need to look at? Um, you know, we talked a little bit about unbalanced and how we designate knock. You know, the new offensive center um, empty to us. The, I think some things that get overlooked is not the, is I, a lot of people handle you know motion to empty, but how do you handle empty? to 10 personnel. I think you got to have an answer for both of those and your kids have got to see those, you know, to us, we try to keep it generic during the fall, during that first week install 
you know, of how we're going to play it, but you've got to have an answer from both of those things. Right. Well, in, in, in talking about the unbalanced, you know, making sure the kids know that, you know, all unbalances, unbalanced formations are not created equal. There's end over, there's tackle over, there's both, you know, there's two back, there's one back. And then also, you know, knowing if the team motions out of it, the motion adjustment off of it, like, you know, if you're seeing gun, uh, tray, unbalanced tray, where you're saying, all right, it's gun with an X receiver that's off, a tight end that's on, a slot that's off, and a Z that's on, where you're going to get that motion where it's not quite wildcat, so to speak, but it's got wildcat-ish properties. Um, Absolutely. You know, really, all you need to do is move one of those receivers in the backfield and as a, as a sniffer, and you're pretty much close. But, you know, some teams what? we played, they leave the tight end over. Uh, some people we see, they'll put the tight end on the X that's off. And you got to have a plan because if that if that tight end's on and the X is off and you're tackle over and they snap the ball and you don't have coverage on two verticals to that side, they can full slide that thing, you know, throw a pop pass, and they, they've got a, a big play. So identifying, not only identifying, like you said, when to knock, when to slide, because we have two different variations. We knock with the front or we adjust with the backers and or the secondary. But knowing how to identify vertical threats, like, okay, the free safety, you're in the middle, and you're adding in the run this way, but I got to peek over here at this guy because if he goes vertical, I got to take it. Well, and, and the other thing is, is is when teams do that, you know, if they, if they, they're at, they, it goes back to gap defense. They're right. create, they put three backs back there. They are creating more gaps. You have to have an adjustment for it. You know, or, or you're just going to get out gapped, and you're going to get either five yarded to death, or they're going to break a big play for you. you. You don't have enough dudes to cover up those gaps. That's the number one thing we try to do when we see teams go into three backs. Is and they just added three. They just added three more gaps. How are we going to defend it? Now, at some point, yeah, it's a bucket of ass, and nobody can run through it. But you still have to have an answer for it. Right. Well, and also uh, four solid. We call it four solid, where you get like super unbalanced where you get a, you know, and it could be tackle over or not. We played a team that they would go I and it would be, uh, you know, two tight ends and it would be tight end guard center, then guard tackle, tackle tight end. We saw another team that would do the same thing, but put a wing over there. So how to handle a two, three split where you've got three guys to one, one side and two to the other, and then four to one side and possibly five, if there's a wing and two to the other, and how to adjust with that and some of the things that come with those those uh, surfaces. And I think that's why this checklist idea is so important because you can't just call a timeout, draw it up on the board, and run out there. You've yeah. got to have, you know, if, 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 if teams are great about that, of throwing a wrinkle in, like you said, you know, from, from 21 personnel and going 22, or, you know, you have to be able to get a generic idea in these kids in the players' minds so that they can they can adapt to that quickly. You know, right. my first year as a head coach, no, my second year as a head coach, they uh, the, the team we opened with was hired a guy out of Oklahoma, Forrest Manzi, who's an unbelievable coach, air raid guys, throw it all over the field. Well, we had taught, you know, in, in camp what happens, what our adjustment was, and we were a 4-3 team, over team, what our adjustment was to, to double tight, and that was just to walk the wheel down and play under. We come out in the first series in wishbones, and our safety calls, you know, double tight. We called it whip, 
So the wheel came down and we played them when they went three and out. You know, if we would not have been generic and taught that adjustment early, we would have been out gapped. We would have been out, you know, they were going to run it down our throat. Mm-hmm. So you, it's so important to have, you know, I love this idea of this checklist. So you can go through those things and you can answer them without just without calling a timeout and then having, the, you know, drawing it up in the dirt. Right. And some of these are exotics where, like you're saying, Absolutely. You, you, we can't cover everything. There's, there's no way to cover everything. Like I'm about to, we were talking about empty, you know, empty, have an empty plan where it's empty with five receivers. You know, you talked about remotioning back in or motioning out, but we gave up a touchdown last year because we got empty with a tight end. And because the safety scanning real quick, he saw two guys to this side. He saw two guys to that side. He didn't see the tight end and didn't bother to look in the backfield. We doubled the number two receiver, three round right down the pipe touchdown. You know, that's a little bit it's exotic, but you don't see that as much as, you know, have a plan for empty, basic unbalance. The fact that your kids knew what to check versus wishbone, that's incredible. That means that you thought about these things and you're thorough. In this checklist, let me let you in on the secret is just as much for me as this for you guys. Like coming up with this with Mark, we start a little earlier than most people. We start on the 29th of July. You know, I, I got to have a plan. I, this is kind of a thing for me, too, is what are we going to do? Um, you know, but going back to empty, empty with two tight ends. How are you going to handle if a team comes out double tight with twins and one receiver to the other side? Four by one, motion, those sort of things. One other thing that we haven't talked about yet is we're a corners over team by by rule or by trade. Like, do we play stuff that's not corners over? Sure. But we also play zone out of corners over. And I'm talking like eye twins or wing twins, mm-hmm. tight end wing with twins to the other side. We'll come corners over and play uh, and play zone. So how do you adjust? Your kids need to know in every formation, if it's a single width where you've got twins to the other side, nub to the other side, you know, what um, what to do. I, I and, and this is kind of a bad reflection on me. I was in a game and... This is a state championship game, and we had a young guy that came up, and the team was starting to go nub. This is the game. We played a game a couple years ago we lost uh, in the state finals, and we had a sophomore that we pulled up later in the year, and he had to play, and I'm talking about the nub tight end and make sure if you see a nub, and he nodded at me, and I walked away, and my buddy told me this after the game was there, and he goes, do you know what a nub tight end is? And the kid shook his head no, and he, and he coached him up, and it's because he got brought up, and I didn't cover that with him, and he didn't know, and I think he was too scared. You know, it's a state championship game. He was too scared to be like, hey, guys, what's what's a nub tight end? So cover those cover those scenarios, you know, making sure you have everything there. Any other formations you think you need to uh, make sure you check out? No, I, I, I think just making sure that, that, that you don't get out-gapped is the number one thing, and just having a base rule or a base front that you can play those things in. You know, you're always going to get surprised on a Friday night. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But if you can prepare as much as you can and have general rules for some things, that's pretty good. Yeah. So let's talk about motions and shifts. So there's a million motions. There's a million shifts. I'm just going to cover this real quick. The ones you need to make sure you cover. Obviously, and going back, I probably should have said this earlier. Make sure in all these scenarios, when you're talking about offenses, formations you know you're going to see. Like, we talked about four solid in the last segment. That was something we knew we would see. So we had it covered. 
we wouldn't gonna necessarily see empty with two tight ends. So, you know, um, we didn't really have that talk, you know, so much. So, I mean, our kids knew to count one, two, three, one, two. It's empty. There's no backs. Look for the backs. But, you know, we didn't necessarily line up against that. But one thing I will say is, so any offensive shifts and motions that you know you're gonna see. My first year at Sarah, we played a school, St. Ignatius. They had an offensive coordinator who was uh, played in the NFL, uh, who was phenomenal, phenomenal offense. They had a really smart group of kids that could handle a lot of these things, and they shifted and traded. So that year, we practiced it. The next year, we had heard or somebody had found out or whatever through the grapevine that they were going to go to the fly. So instead of practicing the shifts and the trades and the Boise-style stuff, we practice fly. So first and foremost, anything in your league, you know you're going to see. Also, change of strength motion. Why trade? Uh, Z across motion where you're going to get, again, you're going from double width to single width. So pro to twins, twins back to pro, especially if you're a corners over team. Also, any kind of crack motions where you got the Z coming short and they're going to crack you, making crack alerts, all those other things, which... I didn't mention in block destruction for the DBs, make sure you practice crack, replace. And then any kind of jet and fly motions, anything where you're coming fast, knowing you guys need to know, okay, is this an across motion where it's changing the strength or is it something that's going to snap the ball and create an extra back in the backfield? Mark, I don't know how you feel about that or if I left anything else or anything you wanted to we, emphasize there. The, the number one thing, now we, we, we you know, I mean, Obviously, if you're an even front team, I think you have to have a, a little bit more precise answer for wide trade. If you're a, if you're an odd front team, you know you can handle wide trade a little bit easier, I believe. Um, but my thing is is with motion is identifying whether it's fly or if it's some sort of you know motion adjust to a formation. Because if it's fly sweep, we always designate in the coverage who the swatter is. So if that guy's screaming across the across the formation to run fly sweep, you know, either the overhang or sometimes the corner or, or real exotic on the inside backer is going to loop to him and then carry him to the flat if he doesn't have the ball. But we're going to designate the difference between a formation change motion and a ball handler motion, you know, like fly sweep, so we can swat it right away. I like that, swat it. I, I'm gonna, that's really good. I like that a lot. Consider it stolen. So, um, <laughs> thanks. So let's talk <laughs> about playing plays. Obviously you're going to play, you know, the plays are going to be within the formations and, and we'll go with the certain type of offenses. I E I know this sounds common sense, but you're not going to run ISO out of, you know, shotgun two by two, unless it's QB ISO, uh, or you're, you know, I, you know, somebody's going to be like, well, what if you felt the guard? That's like ISO. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, tell me about, you know, practicing different run schemes that, and, and, you know, base stuff, we run a little bit of everything, but, you know, when I was at Sarah, we didn't run a lot of counter tray, and we played De La Salle every year, they ran counter tray, so, and we ran kind of the double wing, but it's not the same thing to me as, you know, a true, like, Redskins counter tray. Tell me about some, some things that you've had to practice that opponents of yours have done. Um, well, obviously, you know, a two-back ISO play is not something that we traditionally run because our offense is very zone-based. But, you know, they'll run counter-trade. They'll run power read. So we get some we get quality reps there on those things. But obviously, ISO out of two-back, 
you know, that, that always has worried me the most. And, and my staff completely disagrees with me, you know, but I, a team that will, will try to three yard, three and a half yard you down the field with ISO and belly or quarterback ISO or any of those things. Those are the guys that scare me more than anything, mm-hmm. you know, because, because, you know, the guys who can sit there and go, we're going to go 19 plays or 18 plays and we're going to smash you up front. You know, instead of, you know, the RPO guys or the zone guys who want to get the ball, you know, they want to make a big play really quick. You know, so those are the things that we tend to to, to focus on a little bit more because when our offense offense services us, we get a really good inside zone look. We get a really Mm -hmm. good stretch look. We get a really good power look. You know, we get counter tray. Now it might be out of a different formation or a different personnel, but the, but the offensive line is going to give us a really good look, and the backs are going to understand it too. So we try to really focus on stuff that we're not going to see regularly. You know, ISO, you know, you know, sprint draw, um, trap. You know, we don't see a lot of that anymore. Midline mm-hmm. read, you know, things like that, where, where, which can give us some problems if we don't see it more and more. So that's what we really try to focus on is, is in the fall on that playlist is answering those questions of how do we fit this? How do we play this? You know, those are the things we try to focus on. Right. And, and if you've got a really good relationship when, and it should, this shouldn't matter. It should be altruistic anyway, but it's, you know, human nature kicks in. If you have a good relationship with your offensive coordinator, you know, if you see a team, we see a team that runs a lot of why on stuff, why on counter, why on split zone or not split zone rather, but, stretch and some things our offense doesn't do a whole lot of why on they're more why off so either in a sniffer position or as a wing slash slot they're not really on the ball you know you talk to your offensive coordinator instead of having a scout period to move a tight end on the ball be like hey man can you give us three snaps of why on you know and you just say hey just make a you know you have a flexible formation you know even in good on good one thing that i like to do during early part of fall camp is when we're going team is say, hey, for these five minutes, you know, in, uh, run. Can you can you run more of this stuff? And then for this five minutes, uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, hey, can you, you know, lay off the zero blitz or lay off the three deep or whatever it is? Um, one thing I forgot to mention was uh, in the group periods is we did half line screen at Sarah, half line screen and go, and it was one of my favorite periods. Where if it's two by two, it was three over two. If it was uh, three by one, it was four over three. And and then sometimes we would top hat it so you'd have it be two on straight two on two where we were at an equal numbered no advantage, but you know I you know we get our butts kicked in the screen period and I might go hey Steve in the last couple of plays we throw a few more screens stuff like that where you work together and I'm not gonna have a whole scout period to put a Y on the ball especially with plays like screens that are you know those are hard scout plays throwing slant Absolutely. arrow in scout period easy. Doing slow screens on tailbacks. I mean, some of those plays are almost near impossible to replicate. So, you know, create these these days where, hey, man, it's the fourth day, fifth day. You've got your stuff in. Hey, do you mind if we're, you know, or uh, don't be afraid to ask the other side, hey, can you lay off the empty today? We didn't get to our empty check or whatever. Like, make sure you're working together and you're and you're and you're not using scout time to do stuff that your offense does. I mean, I remember. We were seeing a team that ran a lot of gun split twenty personnel stuff, and I asked, uh, I asked coaches like, "Hey, for the last like five plays of team, could you figure out how to run your plays at a split gun?" 
and you know it slowed down a little bit but it you know it was our ones with one guy doing something different and sure. instead of having a scout period where you're drawing cards you know be efficient so that's my PSA about that one thing I will say is make sure you're checking anything out of the ordinary so zone with a fake end around wham draws anything in the run game that might be a little bit uh tricky for you and obviously keep in mind who your opponents are and especially the better they are the more you got to work on it um pass game that's something that you can do in half line but you know sprint outs things like that again try to use your offense i mean what are some of the passing schemes that you really have to focus on in practice with your offense? well okay so obviously we we've got a great connection in our staff so I'm always constantly asking our offensive guys or, you know, guys who are really good in the passing game, hey, what do you do against quarters? So when we're working quarters coverage on day one, every route we're seeing is a problem. It can be a problematic route. You know, post wheel mm-hmm. flat, uh, P, you know, what we call it, peel, uh, double post with, play, with hard play action at the safety, um, you know, anything like that. Where, where it gives our guys trouble. We want to put them in a hard position. Yeah, we can cover four verticals pretty easily in quarters. We can do that. We'll keep inside leverage. But we want to see the stuff that guys are going to throw at us to beat us. Right. You know? So we our, the passes we want to see are not necessarily always based off what we've seen on film. We, we, we always carry those. You know, if they're a big snag team, we know they're mm-hmm. going to throw snag on third and seven. We're going to work on how we how we distribute snag, but we also know that they're getting paid on the other side, or that that other coach is getting paid too. So if he knows we're going to play quarters on first down, probably or chances are, we're going to see some sort of quarters beater. You know, same thing with man free. Are we going to see some mm-hmm. sort of rub and run? You know, we're going to practice those problems ahead of time to give our kids the best uh, the best look into how to defend those. Right. No, that that's that's huge. I mean, you have something where, um, you know, again, you're taking top ten passes. What I like to do is I like to run, do a report from the previous years. I funnel out any teams that, um, but we won't see again that we're not playing in season. That's not especially preseason. We have a long preseason. We only have six teams in our league, so we go five and five, five non-league, five in league. When I was at Sarah. We had eight teams in our league, so it was three non-league, seven leagues. So those seven teams were all going to stay the same. But uh, take out the teams that you're not going to play again. And even, you know, like last year in the playoffs, we played two teams. One we played in the regular season, so it's the second time we played. Another one was a team that's in our area that we could very much see again. So if they're going to run the same offense, you know, do your homework. I run a report, the top ten pass routes we see and concepts, not... I'm not going to count flood, you know, fade 10 yard out, no, arrow route, absolutely. and flood post where the outside guy's running a post as a second thing. Group them together, have them there, see what your offense doesn't do. Exactly. When you talked about snag, you know, some of those routes, like we run um, Andrew Coverdale's mini curl, it's not exactly a really easy play to run because of the timing and the bunches and stuff in scouts. So save those reps when you're playing your offense. You know, don't, if your team's number one place for verts, don't run a bunch of four verts and half line self scout. You know what I mean? Like, and Absolutely. like you said, do stuff that hurts you. If you're playing quarters, scissors, post dig, uh, you know, if you're three deep, four verts, if you're cover two, you know, smash some of those things. Um, and then 
have your offense do screens. Have them try and do the screens if you can, because again, like, I mean, if you're if you're gonna see a shovel team and your offense doesn't run shovel, okay, but you know, trying to practice against shovel screen in scout period, if you've ever tried to do that, it's not great. So no, no, it, it it's like banging your head against the wall. You know, some <laughs> it's almost worse right. for the offense if they're trying to teach a screen and our defensive guys because they want to be a Madden All American, pick uh-huh. the thing off and run run down the sideline. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing infuriates an offensive coach more than a bad screen period because our guys are yeah. really aggressive. You want to lose your mind. So, and I'm going to say this, and again, now I might, be, I might be getting people might be getting in my mentions. Okay, you have to do what you do as a football team. I understand that. You got to work on what you got to work on. You can't worry about what the other team knows what you're doing. But coaches, figure out a way. And I'm talking to you, offensive line coaches. Okay, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. I'm playing with fire. I know it, Mark, but I'm 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 going to do it. That's a huge. That's a huge angry audience you got. I know, I know, but you guys got to agree with me on this. Okay, I when I make my point, you probably got to reach for your pitchfork. But when I get to my point, you're going to say okay, because it's actually helpful to you. It's not helpful to me. I don't care. I actually hope you do this. If you like to make line calls, figure out ways to make dummy calls. Um, you know, we had one year at Sarah, we were platooned and we had a large Polynesian group of offensive linemen and we didn't have really, they would simply play defense, but it was more, um, kids of other ethnicities. So they made all their calls in Tongan. Um, and we, so we, I mean, we could figure it out after a while, but don't come to the line and yell. If you're a zone team, please don't come to the line and yell out Zorro or Zulu. We we know what you're doing. You and and we're we're I'm fine with it. Like okay, if you want our kid to run up the feet, you know what I mean. Because you can only as a defensive player, you can only act so much. I mean, how it's really really hard if they're going Zorro and you're the three technique to know. Okay, I'm, these guys are gonna try to zone me. You know what I mean? Like they're kids. I mean, even as a grown man, it would be hard for me. How do you if somebody's literally telling you we're going zone right? How do you pretend like you didn't hear that when they're literally screaming it? So everyone can hear it. And that's the whole point. You make the calls, right? So figure out a way. I don't know if it's even possible. Cause again, I know you have to do what you do, but you're not making anybody better when you're doing that. Uh, yeah. I, you know. Our kids come up, you know, like on the defensive side, when we long stick, you know, they come up with their own terminology, right? You know, which, which, I, which like you get, like you said, you know, I like the fact that your kids came up with something that they know, uh-huh. You know, anytime you anytime you can empower the kids to learn it themselves, it's even better. Right. Um. So now getting into the situational aspects of of you know creating a checklist. The last three things we're going to do, and we're just going to kind of go through this. The main situations that we came up with were down and distance, field position, and time constraints. So, coach, why don't you take us through the situations in terms of down and distance that we we covered? So, like we, we talked about, first and ten, second and you know, second and one through six. You know, those are those are common regular downs that you have to have answers for. Obviously, though, those those answers change with game plan and film study and opponent. Um, third and fourth, third and fourth and short. You know, we really didn't talk a lot about fourth down calls because we kind of consider them the same thing. But third and short, third and medium third and long, third and extra long, you know, Hail Mary situation, 
one of the things that we do is if we get in a situation like that, we actually have Hail Mary coverage drawn up on cards on the sideline. So our kids can get in a position, whether, you know, whether it's trips or something that we've seen like that, we can play a different type of coverage based off. We can just show them exactly what we want based off, you know, how they're going to throw Hail Mary because that's a hard thing to practice and replicate. Um, so we, we cheat a little bit on those things. But you, the main thing is, is on those situations is you need to have kind of what you believe in and your bread and butter, your answers to those certain calls um, that you're going to have. And then obviously you're going to tweak those calls from week to week, from opponent to opponent. Right. And, and it's really, you, you script with your offense, you know, you get with your offensive coordinator and say, all right, we're going to do third medium or, you know, a lot of the times we split third down into two. We have third and we don't really do a third and short period. We kind of include it because you don't want to do 10 plays of third and one, third and two. No, no just not. It's not a winning business model, as, as a great man once said. But now your third down period, we used to sprinkle it in where it's just a third down period. And it was 80% third and three plus, but we'd sneak that third and one, third and two. For me, first and 10, second one to six is kind of just open field when you're just having a regular team period. And here's my other complaint, and I didn't put this on the list. Hashes. 80% of the game is played on the hashes. For the love of God, don't have the ball in the middle of the field the whole time. We go uh, left, left, middle, middle, right, middle, right, right, middle, middle, left, middle, left, left, middle, and so, so on and so forth. Even the left middles, I think we probably do too much. The left middle and right middle. Make it realistic. Make sure you're on a hash. You're moving the ball side to side. And you're getting those situations and you're practicing situations. Football is a situational game, as you guys know. You have to rehearse those situations. That's the thing they say about Bill Belichick and why his players are so good. I remember that legendary. I think where they played the Broncos where they took the safety. Yeah, they, they they took the safety, then they punted, got the stop, and then the offense scored, and he looked like a genius. There was no panic because they practiced every situation, and that's what we're trying to do today. Is we're trying to say, okay, you know, what is everything you need to cover? And and I don't know if you can cover all this, but like we kind of talked about in the formations, have that stuff in your back pocket. Um, say, okay, maybe we aren't going to practice, and I'm using this as an example, the two tight end empty situation I gave. Maybe we don't practice it, but I have a I have a call in mind in my back pocket where if we see that, this is what we're going to do. And it's going to be something similar to something we already do. But, you know, you need to be practicing third down, not just from a standpoint of defense to practice what calls you're going to do, but the competitive. That's a really easy way to do. All right, third and three to ten. I mean, obviously, I go third and 19 and count that as part of your competition. But third and three to 11. You know, we're going to move it every play, third and three, third and four, third and five, or you could count backwards. And then the winner gets, you know, to get dinner first or whatever, you know, if you have like a barbecue, just find little things. But it's an easy way to not only practice what you need, but to have competition. So, yeah, we're um, we're big on that. We're really big on third and seven period, you know, of of keeping track of stops and, you know, and, and conversions. You know, because we, we want those kids. And the other thing is, is you have to teach your kids to be aware of where the sticks are, you know, and, and, and always be thinking of that. You know, one of the things that we started doing a couple of years ago is our zero, our, our nose count, he calls down and distance for the entire defense. You know, we don't Got huddle it. up or anything like that, but it, it's just an easy way for our kids to be aware of where the sticks are. Plus, they also know ball alert situations where, you know, we might see hard counters, things like that. 
And those are the guys who need to be aware of it more than anybody, you know, but creating those situations and, and, and that competition, especially in the, in the, that first couple of weeks when you're going against your offense, it's huge. It's, it's absolutely huge to see who's going to rise to the top and who's going to compete and who's going to be aware of it. Seven, you know, I can give up a hitch on five yards to tackle him and get to convert and get him off the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a really good point. Um you know, uh just just going through some of the other things we talked about red zone, um goal line backed up. You know, everything else is pretty much middle of the field, but have a goal line period, have a red zone period, have a backed up and then time constraints. You talked about Hail Mary, you know, um what we like to do is we like to talk about 2 minute uh, second to last play where they're going to try to throw a deep out or something Yep. Um, where you're protecting those outs and then have the last play, have a plan for Hail Mary and, and have, you know, talk about the hitch and pitch or the hook and ladder as well. And then lastly, four minute, another great competition period. Okay, guys, you know, there's a minute and 54 seconds left and the defense has three timeouts three downs to get the first down, you know, if, if the first, if the offense gets the first, um, they win. If the defense doesn't, or the defense stops them, they win. And then teach your kids how to stay in bounds, you know, to go down, don't do anything crazy. Just get down, get in bounds, force the defense to burn their timeouts, that sort of thing. I think that's another great way to not only teach situational football, but to have it where you get in a situation where, you can have those competition periods. Well, and, I, and you know, I mean, like we're, we're constantly talking about things that we can do to get the players ready, but I also think it creates ways to get your coaches ready. You know, I mean, I think, you know, when, when we're, when we work out usually on our third work day, you know, there might be a period where it's just thrown out there a situational, you know, Hey, we're down by four, a minute, 25, two timeouts. Defense has got to get a punt. You know, we've got to do something. So, your coaches are thinking about that too. I mean, the communication between the coaches is, is also a key part of the game. Obviously we can't make the plays, but we've got to put the kids in the right position. So the more you can dictate those situations to help your staff also, I think the better off you are, you know, I mean, all of us you know, think we can manage a game, but if you put that stress under the kids, you also need to put that stress on your coaches too, so that they can come up with it. They don't have to, you know, it's a conditioned response then. It's not something we're just jumping into. Yeah, he's exactly. So we've come to the end of the podcast. We're going to keep the tradition alive. Question I always ask at the end, it's the same one every week. So I'm going to give it to you. You know the question that's coming, don't you? So, but I'm going to go through it anyway. Fourth and nine, 35-yard line going in, state championship. They're up by or you're up by two, rather. They've got an amazing field goal kicker. Two by two, three by one. They're just trying to get to the sticks to get the field goal. They feel confident. There's 12 seconds left. you got a timeout. What are you going to do? I'm going to play man-free. I'm going to play hard inside leverage, and I'm going to make them throw the fade, or I'm going to make them throw the six route the corner, and I'm going to make that quarterback put it on the outside right now. Um, but I'm going to get violent in the inside, and I'm going to disrupt timing. I'm probably going to bring a man pressure to get the ball out even quicker. And 
hope our technique can get the ball and we can rake an arm down or, or we can force a bad throw, but I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put the pressure on the quarterback to make that play. Love it. Great answer. Uh, well, actually, are you going to bring any twists? Let me, before we go, are you going to bring any twists or blitzes or anything? You say you're going to play man free. Do you, you know, play I'm low hole, bring, high I'm, hole, or I'm probably going to cancel a low hole player and, and bring, mm-hmm. bring some sort of inside pressure because I want, I want the pressure to be seen by the quarterback. I want the twist. I want the game to be shown. We run a package where we bring both up. We call it up. We bring both inside linebackers up on the same side. Um, and now we simulate a lot of pressure out of that too. But I want that quarterback thinking, I'm going to get pressure in my face right now. And they've got an overload with four guys maybe, and I've got three. One of them is going to get free. i got to get the ball out even faster. So that's one of my, my mindset is right there, is I'm going to get pressure up the middle, which is the fastest way to get noticed and the fastest way for him to throw the ball quick and outside. Coach, you're an amazing coach and an even better man. Thank you so much for joining us at the new podcast. I appreciate your friendship, and I will talk with you soon. All right, Coach. Thanks for everything, man. I believe in what you're doing, so appreciate it. Thank you.